Good afternoon from Southeast Asia. This will be episode or volume number 18 of the Alien... No. Oh, oh wrong, wrong one, wrong one. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with aliens. <laughs> Holy crap. Of the Southeast Asia podcasts, chronicles, things. Man, man. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, our purpose here is to help you decide, do you want to leave your lovely Western country? Lots of guys, some girls, they're just cheering. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. I want out. I want out of the matrix. Yeah. Okay. Not so fast there. Paisano and Paisano S says, <clears throat> yeah, something like that. Um, we're going to tell you the good, the bad, the ugly. Well, we have been for the last 17 episodes. We are telling you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Lots of ugly, lots of bad, some good. Uh, what's going to happen to you? What's going to befall you when you leave your lovely Western country? I'll tell you two things. Two things are going to dictate whether or not you have a nice time. One is money. Um, that's not as important as you think. It's kind of important, you know, can you live in a hundred degree heat and a hundred percent humidity without air conditioning? Okay, that's, you know, that's kind of an issue. Um, money is going to dictate whether or not you, <laughs> you're going to be able to do that. Uh, I can't do it. I like pretty hot stuff, but I, I got to have some air conditioning, <clears throat> especially at night. So it's going to cost you some money. So have you got enough money for that? Well, probably, but some people don't. You'd be surprised how many people come here with not enough money to afford air conditioning. Well, okay. Okay, then. It's still okay. The thing that's really going to dictate whether you love it or hate it in Southeast Asia are your set, your personal set of expectations. That's the crux of it. That's where the rubber meets the road, right there. Um, you know what expectations are, you know? You meet a brand new guy, you meet a brand new girl. Oh God, you got every expectation on earth. They're a living angel. Let's see, guys can be angels. Yeah, okay. Um, but then, you know, pretty often it turns out they're not. So your expectations were too high. Now, if you meet these people, guys and girls, it's they, thems, I don't know what the pronouns, pronouns are, I don't care, I'm not going to change my language. Uh, if you meet people and you expect very little, you're virtually never going to be disappointed. Virtually never. Maybe sometimes, you know, if they're a serial killer, that might, that might be surprising, you know. Or maybe not. If you expected uh, to meet a serial killer, you know, you're going to be like, yeah, okay, that's okay, you know. <laughs> right on target, you know. <laughs> uh, I think half the population of the U.S. is serial killers now, so, you know. There are some in Southeast Asia as well. 
nobody knows how many because the law enforcement is so bad they can't even begin to catch them. So <clears throat> every once in a while they catch the really stupid ones. But Okay, so expectations. We'll try to we'll try to talk about that. We'll try to point that out again and again and again as we go along. Uh, that's what's going to determine whether or not you like it. And I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to provide realistic expectations for you, so you know what it's going to be. And I'm and I'm not downplaying stuff, and I'm not upplaying stuff. I'm I'm telling you as it is. And, Maybe my personal outlook on Southeast Asia is a little rosier than it ought to be, even. But I got a lot of bad things to say, and I have been saying them, and I got a lot more bad things to say. So, <clears throat> it's still better, to me, it's still better than any Western country I've ever lived in or visited. Uh, Canada in the old days was great. I loved it. And then it morphed into this kind of a limp-wristed, effeminate, woke, super woke, uber woke. Something. I don't know what happened to Canada. It like rotted on the vine and fell off and plopped onto the ground. I mean, it's been a long time since I lived there. Uh, I was there in the 60s, lived there in the 60s, for about a little less than four years. Uh, so it's had a long, long time to do its morph, you know, for, for the hell of its face to turn. We talked about that in another episode. <laughs> so Canada did the hell of it. You got to go back. You want to know what that is? I'm not going to explain it. You got to go back. I don't know what episode. <laughs> you should be listening to them all in, in order, you know, because that's the only way they're going to make any sense at all. Um, okay, so that's what we're doing. We're trying to help you decide. If you decide you want to come here, we're going to try to help you pin down what country you might want to go to first. might not be the last one you go to. We'll, we'll try to help you find the first one to go to. Um, can you afford it? If you got any money at all, you probably can. And it, and it depends on how bad you want to be here. And we'll go through ways to come up with enough money to be here. And how much do you need, really, truly? And it's different from what most of the blogs will tell you. Most of them are not realistic at all. I, th I think most of those guys, or, or girls, or whatever, uh, probably never lived in Southeast Asia. They just vacationed and then they go, oh, let's, you know, we will, now we are experts, you know. I see that quite a bit, actually. Uh, God, there was one woman coming off as an expert in Cambodia. Jeez, God, she just prattled on and on and on and on and on forever. And half of it was wrong. And uh, then it came and come to find out she'd lived there four months, you know. <laughs> Extended vacation performance, what the hell? Okay, so now we started out these things with um, 
kind of a sort of a, a plan as to how to proceed through them. And then what happened was, after every episode, all kinds of people started writing in with questions. And so I figured, I figured, okay, each episode, I'll answer the, the, the few questions from the one before. Okay, and we'll do that quickly. And then uh, move along back to the plan. But the problem is that the questions have become so numerous. I'm just scrolling through them here like I've got, I don't know, there must be 20. No, more than that. 25, 28. Good God. Just from the last episode. Uh, and I think we kind of just got to keep tackling those until we've covered every question and every subject. Because if these people are writing these in, chances are lots and lots and lots of other people who didn't write them in still have the same questions and they want an answer. You get a hold of us through Twitter. There's there's links all over the website, stockphotosworldwide.com. By the way, everything is copyright 2023, stockphotosworldwide.com. Okay. You go there, there's a link to these right near the top and to some other podcasts too, and then to the Alien Podcast. There's about getting, pushing 300 of those on uh, theyclaim.com, but you go through, well, you can go there. You can go through stockphotosworldwide.com to get to aliens in there, whatever. Um, okay, so. Jeez. Uh, so many people come to Southeast Asia for the girls. That's a... Oh, God. Is it a bad reason to come... Well, it depends on what you want to do with the girls. Yeah, I know what you guys want to do with the girls. God, it bugs me. I am a really weird guy. I'm not a normal guy. I'm uh When I first came to Southeast Asia, I, I had never been to a prostitute in my life. Never planned to, didn't want to talk to him, didn't want to know nothing. Prostitutes were something over on the other side of the tracks. You know, you, sometimes you see them in your cars, you whiz through an intersection on a rainy night, you know. You don't talk to them. They're, they're, what, why, what's the point? What's the point? What's the, who, who wants that? You know, go look at porn. My sex doll. I don't know. What are you going to get out of a thing with a prostitute? What? Um, so I had less than no interest. They just didn't exist really to me. And in Southeast Asia, over a period of quite a few years, I warmed up to them because the prostitutes in Southeast Asia are not your normal global prostitutes. Well, some of them are, a few of them are. A few of them have gotten that cold and jaded. In Southeast Asia, they are largely professional girlfriends. No, they're not escorts. Well, they are. <laughs> Technically, they're escorts. But these are escorts looking for a man. Most of them, they want to marry you. And they call it, the girls call it, try before you buy. Try me out in the bed. <laughs> if you like me, you can have me. You want to take care of me? 
take care of my kids, you know, my family, the chickens and the goats. You just say it. And I move my shit out of the bar and I'm in your condo and that's, and that's it. Okay, they say that. They mean it at the moment. Vast majority of like 99.9999999999% can't follow through. They can't. They've been wrecked. Anyway, back on track here. Um, I very slowly warmed up to prostitutes to a degree, to a, to a very low degree in Southeast Asia. Um, I still didn't like them. The, the, the only ones that I warmed up to were the ones who really convinced me that they were different, that they wanted a relationship forever. They wanted to be married. Uh, and a few of those I took a chance on and moved them in. And how often did that work out? Well, I mean, you know, you look, you look at that, that thing. You look at that thing. Those ain't wedding rings, okay? Um, even here in the Philippines, I'm alone and I'm, right now at least, I'm choosing to stay alone because, well, for a lot of reasons. I'll go into those later. And then in, in uh, Southeast Asia, over many more years of, being mildly lukewarm towards some prostitutes, I kind of went the other way on them again. I saw firsthand the damage that that whole thing does to them. Well, to the guys, too. The guys who believed him. Oh, baby, I'm yours. Fuck that shit. <laughs> right. Um, mm -hmm. But the girls especially, I saw so many nice girls come up from, from Isan or something like that, from, from the province, you know, whatever. And they get pushed often by their parents and talked into prostitution by their friends. And the babies are crying at home and the, and the grandparents haven't had rice for two or three days. And the friends are telling them, you know, God, I'll take care of you. You come down here, you'll have money the first night. You know, you'll have so much money, you won't, you won't believe it. You'll, you've never seen this much money. And so they come down, and the nice, sweet girls. And then little by little by little, over the course of three months, then they're not nice, sweet girls anymore, and never will be again. Never in their lives. They can't go back. Can't let the genie out of the bottle. For any kind of permanent relationship, they're ruined. 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 Look it up. Google it. So, we end up talking about a lot of prostitutes because that's what guys mostly come here for. I, When I came here, I had no intention of looking for anybody. Looking, quote-unquote, looking. I, I just needed to get out of America, get away from the, the place that, that my wife had died. I never liked America anyway. I was always trying to escape it. Uh, and the Orient, you know, Southeast Asia, Orient, uh, had always been embedded in my psyche as a place that I had to experience, and so that's where I went. Uh, 
what percentage of guys come here only for prostitutes? Let's see. Sometimes I'll answer this several times over the course of many podcasts, and, and my percentages will differ a little bit each time because I'm thinking in different contexts each time I think about it and, and formulate an answer. But generally, I would say, God, I would say, at least 90%. They just want cheap girls quick. And I told you I've seen guys get off the plane, get on a bus, take the bus to a tourist town, get off the bus, and they got their bags, they got their suitcases, they haven't even got a goddamn hotel yet. And they're walking up and down the street and they'll go to every single female on the street, maybe a food vendor, uh, maybe a street sweeper, it doesn't matter. If it's female, it's fair game in there. Hey, hey, baby, you got a you got a boyfriend? You want one? You want one? You want me? Do you want me? And you just want to temple punch him. Obnoxious, just horned dogs. And I see that a lot. But that's mostly, I'm thinking, 90%. That's why they come to Southeast Asia. Uh, Thailand is the worst for that because Thailand has the biggest reputation for it. But all the other countries have, you know, more than their share of prostitutes. And it comes from being really, really poor and really, really dumb because they, they believe, okay, they, they, these, these girls, they go work in the bars and their, their intention is to find a husband. That's why they want to, that's one reason they want to work in the bars. They want the money too, but they want to find a husband and they can't, there's no other way to meet a phalang, a white guy without working in the bars because in the bars you get to sit and you get to talk to a different one about every six minutes you go to work in a shop you're going to get to talk to one about once every two three weeks and you're not going to get to really talk because you get other customers and they're busy and like that so it's kind of the perfect place for girls to meet guys well for guys to meet girls too if they were nice girls um but they have this idea. They can come. They all have this idea. Pretty much every single one of them, they have this idea. They can come, go to work in the bar, and they fuck a guy or two or three a day. A day? Sometimes every hour. If they're hot. Bar's in a good location. A lot of the bars got rooms in the back. You don't have to even go out of the bar. We'll talk about that. <laughs> um, and so they think they can do this. And these guys who might possibly be their future husbands are sitting there watching this. And the attitude of the girls is uh, they're talking to a guy. And, and she's thinking, man, this, this could be the one. This could be the guy. This could, this could be my future husband. And the guy's thinking the same thing. Man, this is a beautiful girl. She's smart. She's got enough English. We can converse. Uh, we're kind of on the same wavelength. We kind of want the same things. And he's thinking, wow, wow, could I be this lucky? Wow, I've only been here two weeks and, and I've met maybe the one, certainly one I want to pursue. And so right in the middle of her conversation, she's still got a half a drink left. 
and uh, Mawson comes, taps her on the folder on the shoulder, and reminds her, "Hey, uh, hey, May, uh, you got an appointment in uh, five minutes." Oh, that's right. Oh, I forgot. Oh, okay, okay, baby, can you wait? Can you wait for me? Because I I gotta go fuck this other guy for an hour. It's only gonna be about an hour, you know. Thank you. And she trots off. Goes and fucks some big fat greasy brute. And then she comes back, you know, fixes her hair. Okay, baby, where were we? Well, he's gone. He's fucking gone. I've been there. I've been in that situation, that exact situation, many times. God damn it. I met just such one of those in the bar. Now, I've been around the bars a lot, and I know the girls. I lived with countless ones of them, trying them out, trying to make it work. I know the girls. I know the girls as well or better than any man on earth. And I'm not going to say how many numbers it took to get to that point, but I know the few. Um, and still, I met one. I, well, I, I met quite a few that made me feel like maybe there's a chance here, but I met one. I would have bet money on it. I would have bet big money on it. I go, okay, God, I, I never had this feeling before. I think maybe we got a chance here. We got a chance. And, uh, she had a couple of kids. I wasn't thrilled about that, but it's like, I don't care. I don't care. We are close enough in what we think and how we see the world and life. Attraction was there. And she, she wanted to go. She was like, oh, oh, I think, I think the same thing. I think, you know, I, I think we really got something here. Okay. I excused myself to, uh, go to the bathroom. Well, I just peed. How long does that take? Four or five minutes. And, uh, Walked back into the bar, and there she was sitting in a guy's lap across the bar, just making out like there's just no tomorrow. And he saw me, and he kind of bumped her, like, oh, look, 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 boyfriend's back. And she's like, oh, 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 okay. And she trotted over to me, took my hand, and and I said, check in, Bill, please. What? You're, you're leaving? What? Oh, he's just old customer, you know, it's okay. And she could not begin to understand why that was suddenly no longer going to work. She couldn't grasp it. It didn't compute. Why, 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 why would you dump me? I only had my tongue down his throat, you know, he... Had one fig finger up my vagina, you know, it's no big deal. It's it's work, you know. It's just work. It doesn't mean anything. Okay. That's what happens to the girls, and that's what happens to the guys, and that's how they get ruined for life. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm tired of talking about girls, to tell you the truth. Uh, you guys aren't because you just keep asking and asking and asking. I want to tell you one more Chinese story. I still got this question up here. I told you about the Chinese shitting in the malls and shitting on the sidewalks. 
I don't think I mentioned the sidewalks. They do the same thing on the sidewalks out, out in front of a busy mall or out, out in front of a restaurant or whatever. They just shit on the sidewalk. They won't even go off to the side. They won't even look for a bush. They will stop in the center of a sidewalk like a goddamn fucking monkey. A monkey. A primate. And they drop their, their pants or, or pull up their skirt and they'll shit on the fucking sidewalk. Right there with people walking around them, yelling at them. And they don't understand why people are ticked. They don't understand it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> okay, the last Chinese story I'm going to tell, probably, I think, is uh, I lived in a small soy for a while. It, it was, uh, I, I don't know why the Chinese were coming there. I don't know what the attraction was for them. Anyway, the buses would bring them there at night. There must have been a big Chinese hotel nearby that I wasn't aware of. And anyway, they were walking around pretty much 24-7, all the time, gaggles of them. How many's in a gaggle? I don't know. Um, 30? 40? Yeah, 30, 30 or 40. And they're always just walking around in these groups, up and down the soys, because they, they want to see everything. Well, that's okay. I go to a place, I want to see everything too. And I walk around, I try not to gawk, but I do. You know, I look like a goddamn tourist, which I am. <laughs> I go to new places, I am a tourist. Um, but I was coming and going on my motorbike, and girlfriend was coming and going all the time on her motorbike, up and down that soy, going to the store, going here, going there, go visit friends, whatever. I don't know, five, eight times a day, we're up and down that soy. And what happened was we began meeting these groups of Chinese on, on this soy. And it was really narrow. It was one lane. Uh, each car had to pull over to let the other car go. And it was long soy. And so we'd be put, put, put motorbiking along, just going home. And we'd come upon a gaggle. Oh, no, 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 not a gaggle. A herd, a herd of Chinese off of buses. And they'd see us coming. Daytime or nighttime, they'd see us coming. And you'd think, okay, well, they're going to they're gonna park. Let me through. You know, there's... Of course they would. Why, why wouldn't you? You know, they're, they're blocking the whole road. I mean, they're, they've spilled off off the pavement onto the shoulders on each side. No way any, you know, you couldn't even walk through there. And they're just shuffling, shuffling, and they're hooting and hollering and laughing and drinking. And you come up behind them and pretty soon you realize they're not going to part. And so you beep, you know, you got a little tiny horn on a moped. It's me, me. And maybe they'll turn and look, and maybe they won't, but they'll, they don't part. And you're thinking, well, okay, now it's just plain rudeness. Now it's not accidental. Now it's just arrogance, which is the watchword of the mainland Chinese. That's, that's, Jesus. And uh, when a beeping didn't work, you would start calling out, hey, excuse me, I need to get through, pardon, 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 please. You know, you try everything you got. And they might look at you and sneer and then go back to what they're doing. No, no movement, no party. 
So at this, at this point, in the U.S., it would be called unlawful imprisonment. They're blocking you from proceeding about your life. Uh, but for mainland Chinese, it's just called normal, arrogant life. So I would start edging my motorbike through them. Uh, and as soon as you started doing that, they would go berserk, just berserk. And the guys and the old ladies would turn and they were on you. They would, they would swarm you. They would surround you. They would grab your handlebars and start shaking your handlebars and start shaking your bike and try to shake you off of your little scooter. And they're screaming in little bits of English, which shows that they do understand some English, like, please, can I go through? And one of their favorite lines was, we were here first, you know, meaning on that road. You cannot go. We are here now. And you're thinking, no, that's, that's not the way the public roads work. No, sorry there, Bob. And a few times I got off and started getting pushed and started pushing back. And I thought, well, you know, there's too many. I'm going to get my ass kicked, but by God, I'm going to hurt some of them. If, if I, if I get that opportunity, I'll kill one or two because that's how fucking incensed, apoplectic they will make you. That's, that's what their attitude will take you to. That's where they will take you. Jesus Christ. And we had some protracted tussles in those situations. My girlfriend had the same kind of problem. She was five feet and, I don't know, 90 pounds at that time. I mean, that girl. <laughs> and she was feisty. She had been taught and trained to fight Muay Thai her entire life. And she was tough. She was tougher than two or three or four Chinese. You know, of course, there's 30 of them, so it's not going to really do um, and she had, she probably had more encounters like that with them than I did. She hated them more than me, if that's even possible. Most ties do. Almost all ties do. Um, even the one, even the quote unquote good Chinese who moved to Thailand right after birth, or maybe were born in Thailand, they are looked, looked upon by Thais with huge suspicion. And they will be for their whole lives. They are not really accepted completely into Thai society. And so they stayed by themselves. Um, girlfriend finally got to the point where when she saw any of them, even if she could get through, she would make a point to slow down so that she wasn't going to go down when she did what she was about to do. She would hit him. Uh, she'd hit him with the mirrors or with a handlebar. And she was ready for it, and she'd lean the other way, and she'd jam that handlebar into him because they wouldn't get over far enough for her to go through. So they'd get him, you know, right below the rib cage or around in there about the rib cage and knock him, you know. And uh, a few times they tried to chase her on foot. And, uh, I mean, you know, whatever. Run as far as you want there, Bob. 
And she just laughed and laughed. A couple of times they scared her, but I thought that was good. That might keep her alive. Uh, everybody had the same problem with them. And, and many more problems that I'm not going to mention, but I, I forgot that in the last episode, so there I am throwing out there. Now I can purge off this one question. God, I hate talking. I, I'm just physically tense and angry, and my, and my heart rate is up. Just for even thinking about these sons of bitches. Uh, somebody asked me on Facebook years and years ago, uh, what did I think of the Chinese in Thailand? And I, I, I answered and I said, I think, something like from my experience, the Chinese, the mainland Chinese tend to be dirty. Pretty sure that was it exactly. And I got banned from Facebook for, you know, whatever this Facebook jail period of time was a week or a month or whatever. I can't remember. Uh, I don't know, because I deleted the account. Uh, and then I did a huge website about people who get banned from Facebook for capricious, outrageous censorship. And it's been a very, very successful website. But anyway, we're not talking about Fuckerberg. We're talking about the Chinese. Uh, okay. Was this? Oh, they want. Okay. Somebody in another, somebody who had listened to one of the old, well, maybe old, I, don't, I can't remember what number, but one of the other alien podcasts had heard me talk about this girl. Uh, she was a bar girl in Thailand. And now they're listening to these podcasts and they want to know what that. They want to know more about this one because she just fascinates the living Jesus out of them. Well, she was pretty fascinating. Um, <laughs> there was one bar girl. Let's call her Lucy. <laughs> Gorgeous, stunning. She was Thai, 100% Thai, but she looked a lot like that girl in uh, Mars Attacks, you know, the, the one that's like eight feet tall, the blonde, and she walks in that weird way, and she tries to, oh, she she worms her way into the White House and tries to kill the president, and the, turns out it's like three aliens on top of each other, you know, on their shoulders or something. Anyway, she her, her whole demeanor was a lot like that girl in a lot of ways. Uh... You'd think somebody like that could dance like a swan. No, she couldn't dance. <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing to watch. <laughs> Nobody wanted to see it. Anyway, she was a nice enough girl. She was really nice to me. I was good friends with her. Never took her, never wanted to, never entertained the notion. She pestered me forever to take her. Well, I, I can see really early what she was. Um, that's one advantage I had over the other guys, like the Brits. I would hang around a bar for months and just watch the girls and see how they acted, see who they went with like that, see how they talked about their dates, you know, after they came back and stuff like that. And one by one by one by one, nope, never a keeper. Nope, nope, nope. Cull, cull, cull. 
loser, loser, <laughs> you know, like that. And I would go through the whole roster in a, in a bar, and there wouldn't be a single one in there that I ever really wanted to talk to. Uh, the Brits would just go in and say, oh, that one, that one looks good. Hey, hey, baby, hey, baby, you want to go? You want to go? Okay. You know, and, and then three days later, you need to get married? Okay. Christ. And then the life of misery really set in. But anyway, Lucy is really tall. I don't know how tall she must have been. God, she had to be around six feet tall. There are a few tall Thais because uh, they come from China, of course, and there are some tall Chinese. Really tall. Anyway, Lucky. Oh, no, no, no. Not Lucky. Lucy. <coughs> Lucy. God damn. Name's not. Name is Lucy. Oh, um, <laughs> it wasn't her real name anyway, so. Lucy, um, she made a lot of money. She, she demanded a lot of money. She got a lot of money. She never, as far as I ever knew, turned down any guy, no matter how disgusting he was. Could be a bipedal cockroach. <laughs> and pretty often it was. Okay, let's go. Short time or long time, honey. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, uh, but what she really liked the most was for a guy to take her for, for weeks or months at a time. That was her favorite thing. Um, and she cheated on every one of those guys. You know, they're, they're buying an exclusive, uh, Girlfriend, buying, buying, that's the operative word, buying. You know, she didn't go for free. She didn't go because she loved him. She went because she got the money. Uh, but she would be a really good girlfriend to them as long as they were around or she was around. And then when they're out of sight, they're out of mind. And she fucked every other guy who came along. Um, she had a guy, big fat Brit. Oh, God, another Brit. Jesus. God, big fat Brit. And he took a hankering to Lucy. <laughs> and he bought her indefinitely. He said, well, as long as it works, it works. I'll keep paying. And he gave her a humongous allowance. God, I can't remember what it was. It started at, God, I don't know, maybe 50,000 baht. I think it started at 50,000 baht. It would have been 1,500 a month. That would be, well, a normal Thai girl's making 10, 11, probably by now they're making 12,000 baht a month in a, in a factory, in a shop, uh, normal job. Probably 12,000 baht. Uh, I knew a girl who went through medical school. She became a, a medium level nurse. She was making 12,000 baht. I knew a, I knew a girl really well who went completely through university, got a law degree, a degree, a degree, full law degree. She started out 12,000 a month. Anyway, so 150 or 50,000 baht a month. Most of the traffic, the roaring cars and, and bikes you hear down there, most of those guys are East Indians. 
or no, I'm sorry, not East Indians, um, Muslims come here with big oil money. And they just terrorize the entire city of BGC. Terrorism. And the cops don't do anything because they have big money. They just slip them a few hundred pesos and do it again. They'll peel out in front of them. Okay. Um, so this guy bought Lucy on an open-ended contract. And she's all giggly, oh, happy, 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 happy. And he had a high-end condo up on about the 60th floor somewhere. And she lived the life of luxury. God, she had a great life, great life. And she had all that money, a lot of money, a lot of money for her. By Thai standards, that's, that's rich, that's rich, that's not medium rich, that's rich, okay. And she was happy. The guy, as far as I knew, he was okay. Didn't beat her, provided really well. She needed a couple of medical things. He paid for the, all the hospital stuff. Um, whatever. And she would take her idle hours when he wanted to go somewhere with his Brit buds. I never figured out why why those guys come to Southeast Asia and then spend most of their time hanging out with their Brit buds. But anyway, whatever. It's up to them. Uh, every time he wanted to go out with them, she would come to the bar because that was her home. You You can take the girl out of the bar. Listen to this. Write it down, tattooed on your back of your fucking hand, where you gotta see it every day. You can take the girl out of the bar, but you can't take the bar out of the girl, and no truer thing has ever been said. Brand that across your forehead, sear it into your brain, even into your soul. Do not ever forget it. Seriously, tattoo it somewhere on them if they let you. God. Anyway, so all these girls, when they got a boyfriend and they got a little idle time, they're just, they just pop right back into the bar. And what are you going to do in the bar? You're going to sit there and talk to guys. And the guys are going to offer you a lot of money and you're going to say, oh, well, let's see. Uh, hubby won't be home for five, six hours. This is only going to take an hour, and I'm going to make an extra, um, you know, 2,000 baht. Well, why not? Well, it's just work. It doesn't mean I love them. It's just work. It's just professional, you know. So they, so they do. They do. You know, maybe they'll hold out a few days. They kind of sort of know they're not supposed to. The guy... They know that the guy thinks they're not supposed to, but they don't understand why they're not supposed to. Okay. Jesus Christ. So Lucy was doing this. She'd, she'd do a trick or day. This guy was gone most days. She'd do a trick or day in the bar. Trick or two a day in the bar. And uh, she'd get done and Come back in the bar and sit down and flop, you know, with all the other bar girls. And I was considered in with them. 
Uh, so they talked absolutely freely around me and, and they would just dissect that guy's performance. He's sitting over there at the bar, he's looking at smiling, you know. And she's like, Oh that that guy, oh God, his dick was really fucking small. I hardly got off, you know. Oh God, it was it was terrible. And oh this guy, this guy from Japan, oh he only wants to play with the toys. He don't have a cock. What the fuck? And uh or this guy, oh God, see that guy, see that guy, the guy guy just went with his cock is so goddamn big it hurt it fucking hurt I, I didn't like it I thought a big cock would be good you know and they just talk like that endlessly endlessly Jesus Christ and anyway when it was time to go home she went home And she did this for quite a while. I'm thinking a year. This this was just kind of going on. The Brit guy didn't begin to suspect it. You know, he thought they were kind of like falling in love. And, you know, maybe marriage was in their future and uh, everything's fine. And she just hanging out with her friends because that's what she said, you know. And every time he calls, you know, she'd answer. She, she might be between orgasms, you know, but she'll answer the fucking phone. Hi, baby, how you doing? Uh, oh, I'm just sitting with my friends, we're eating some poppy salad, you know. You think I'm exaggerating and making this shit up? The answer called between orgasms. You think I'm making that up, don't you? So this is why I stopped talking to guys, friends back in the U.S., because they, they want to know the, the good, bad, and ugly, and I start to tell them the ugly, and they no, come, come why do you insult us? We're not that fucking stupid. Okay. It gets worse than that. Okay, it gets worse than that. So I'm probably not going to go there, but... You've got to understand this shit. You have to. You have to. You, you're kind of... Your survival depends on it. Certainly your financial survival depends on it. Maybe your very physical, mortal survival depends on it. In some cases, it does. Because if you choose a bad one, they can kill you. They can kill you, and they do. Oh, God. Okay, so. Lucy went along like this for a long, long time. I'm thinking about a year, and everything was fine. The Brit was happy. She was, well, she was happy. She got the best of everything. And then, one day, the Brit stormed into the bar. Big, fat, blubbery bull. Thought he was tough. Fucking marshmallow man. They all think they're tough. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, he's bellering some guy's name. And that guy was there. Well, it turns out this guy, this other guy, he was uh, American. I'm almost positive he was an American guy. He'd been fucking Lucy on a pretty regular basis. And the Brit found out about it. And he's pissed. Jealous boyfriend, you know. And, and we're all sitting there like, you know, man, chill out because she, she's a prostitute. You know, you didn't know that? She's a prostitute. Prostitutes do what prostitutes do. That's all there is fucking to it. Suck it up. 
God. But this guy was just incensed that this American had been fucking his love of his life. And so they had a little pushing, shoving match. Somebody fell down, but they're all fat and old and, you know, falling down pretty much ends a fight. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It does. If either of them fell down, I think in this case, the American fell down. If either of them fell down, that ends the fight pretty much. Like, oh, God, I, I didn't realize violence hurt that goddamn much. Oh, okay, 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 let's, let's talk this over. Okay, that's kind of how it goes. Um, and it turned out this guy had been paying Lucy also some kind of a weekly stipend thing. So she's collecting from both sides. And he wasn't paying nearly as much. He was paying like thirty or 40000 a month. So Lucy's getting uh, fifty thousand, and this other guy's paying her thirty, forty thousand, and uh, she's working smart, you know. Old Chinese adage, you know, she's working smart, doing what she can. She just drank it all, you know. She didn't save it. She didn't do a goddamn thing. She just drank it all. Partied, fucked around, took all of her friends out for huge meals, and you know, she never, she never had a bot left at the end of the month. Anyway. The Brit said, and that whole bar is just silent, you know, yeah, they're watching, you know, and, and now it's nighttime. And the Brit says, Lucy, you're mine. I mean, oh, I got some old goddamn country and western song bullshit thing. And Lucy's getting way more money from the Brit. So she said, yeah, okay. And she goes over. And she sits on the stool next to the Brit, like, okay, I'm yours, baby. I love you so much. And the Yank Don't let this be you, please. I'll slap you silly with a ping pong paddle. I swear to God, I'll do it. He started crying. He's 60 something. The Brit's upper 60s, pushing 70. But the Yank starts crying because he couldn't take the loss of what he thought was, you know, maybe now or going to be his love of his life. Maybe they get married. Take her to America. So he starts crying. And he says, Lucy, I'll give you 50000 I love you so much. And she's really hesitant about this because the Brit's kind of starting to be annoying. She, she said he couldn't fuck worth a goddamn. He was sweaty and fat and greasy and had a lot of problems. And cock didn't work most of the time. And all he had was a bunch of toys. And she was tired of the toys. And the, the yank could fuck better, you know. So she's torn now because it, it's a balance scale. You know, which, which way, which way, which way, which way, which way. And she goes over and sits with the yank. She just got up off the stool next to the Brit. And she walked, you know, 15 feet, sat down next to the yank. So I go, okay, okay, baby. I love you too so much. Okay, so now they're together. And the Brit's like, just snorting like a bull. He's like, fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. No, 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 no. In, in, in America, somebody would have pulled a gun and shot the other. You know, it would have been Rocky Raccoon. <laughs> but they don't have guns in Thailand. Only the Thais have guns. 
Jesus. They have shit guns, but they have guns. Um, so the Brit piped up quickly, and he said, Lucy, what was his next offer? I'm trying to remember. It was a significant raise. He'd been paying her 50. Now the Yanks paying her 50, so he's got a really... I think he said like 80 or 90,000 a month. So she's up, you know, $2,500, something like that. And you could see Lucy's eyes get a little wider. And you could see those rusty gears start to turn. Huh? 90,000? Really? She looked back and forth between the two and thought about for a few more minutes. Really? Are you sure? And the Brit's like, yeah. Guaranteed. Okay, the Brit wasn't going to lose. That's all it was to it. The Brit just wasn't going to fucking lose. And it sounds like a bad script. I watched it. They had security cameras all over the place. I wish the fuck I could have got that footage. I always had a big camera with me. I should have just filmed it. I, they probably wouldn't have stood for that. I don't know. Uh, Lucy gets up. And she walks back over to the Brit. She sits down. And I heard her whisper something to him and he nodded. And I, I think she said, are you sure? 90,000. And he just, yeah, done deal. So she sits down. And the Yank, now he's sniveling again, because he just, he just can't believe it. He's never loved a girl this much in his life. He never thought it was possible to love a girl this much in his life. <sighs> no idea if he'd ever been married or, you know, probably, probably had 2.3, 4.6 kids, you know, whatever the fuck. Don't know. Bunch of grandkids, I don't know. And he pops up with a counteroffer of, uh, I'm pretty sure it was 110, 110,000. And by now, Lucy's got this game down. She's got it figured out. And she just, no hesitation, she walked back over to him. And, and the, and the Brit's like, this can't be happening. This can't fucking, no, this can't fucking be happening. This cannot fucking be happening. And she'd, she had barely got sat down and the, and the Brit says 150. And no hesitation, she walked right back over to the Brit. And the, the Yank says, uh, well, now, now, now he just starts openly crying. And everybody's looking at him. Okay, your your turn. You know, make your offer. Come on, place a bid. Place a bid. Come on, come on. We got to see how this is going to fucking end because pretty soon, uh, you know, days of our lives come on, and we got to fucking watch that. You know, come on, come on. <laughs> You're holding us up. And Lucy's looking at him like, come on, you know, come on. I, I think I'd rather be with you because you fuck better, but um, you know, a working girls gotta go where the money is. Right? You understand that, baby. 
<laughs> and, and the Yank is just, just still crying like his heart's broken. And the Brit is smug. Now he's smug because he's pretty sure he's got his ass. And the Yank says, I, I can't offer any more, Lucy, because I, I only have 110,000. That's all I got. I can't give any more. I can't give any more. I don't have any more to give you. And there was uh, no expression on her face at all. No change, no nothing. She just sat there. And after a short while, uh, the Yank just sat there. He kept crying. Nobody tried to, tried to console him. <laughs> you know what? I think it wouldn't that be funny if the Brit came over and shook hands and said, well, nice try, fucker, you know. He did. Nobody talked to him. And after about, he tried to hang around there, I think, to try to save some tiny little bit of face. I think that's what he was doing. I don't know why, I don't know why anybody would hang around. He hung around for 15 or 20 minutes, as I recall. And then he just sort of slinked out the back. And I don't recall that anybody ever saw him again. Maybe somebody did. I never did. And uh, Lucy stayed with the Brit for another, oh yeah, Lucy stayed with the Brit for another while, for another few months, not more than six months, and then he caught her fucking around again, kicked her ass out. Uh, and she went and started a hair salon in uh, BKK, Bangkok. And she ran that into the ground within a matter of months and then was back in the bars. Uh, she was looking kind of frazzled after that whole thing. <laughs> Not looking all that good anymore. I don't know. See, sometimes they can age very quickly in the matter of a year. And she could no longer command top money. Getting just normal money now. You know, 1500 baht. And that must have hurt. And... Uh, she was hard up for money. She started doing bad things to people, to girls who had been her friends for many, many years. Started screwing them over, scamming them, lying to them, and everybody cut her off. She, and then she was no longer welcome in the bar. So that's kind of the rise and fall of a bar girl. Okay, that's a, that's a kind of a common story. I mean, it, they don't usually get these dramatic bidding sessions, you know, like a cow in the auction. That's what she was. She was a cow. A cow in the auction. That's what she was. Okay, I bid. Let's see. Number 43. Okay. Gotcha. And they go back at it, you know. <laughs> and that's the story of Lucy, aka some other names. Okay, so I think it was just one guy wanted to know about that. Well, now you know there, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> oh no, there's no, there's more. There's more. God, I forgot about this. Uh, Lucy did work when she got thrown up by the Brit. She went back to the bars for a while. 
and she tried a different tack to make money. And what she was doing was she would get these customers and she would convince them she had five kids out in Isan, you know, they barely had food, they're eating worms, okay. And she made a little bit of money in the bar. She sent that all home. Um, you ever watch the old WKRP series? They had that gorgeous uh, platinum blonde, I don't know what her name was, was it Jennifer or something? I'm not sure. And she wasn't a prostitute or anything, but guys just liked her so much they couldn't help but send her stuff. They couldn't help it. Toasters and sofas and TVs and, you know, she had whole rooms full of this shit. Okay, that's what Lucy's life became with this new batch of customers she was cultivating. Okay, I was in a room one time, and I don't remember why. I sure as hell wasn't a fucker, but I don't know why I was in there. She was always trying to get me to go in a room. I always resisted it, but this one time I went in. I must have had a chaperone or something. That's about the only way I would have gone in there. But anyway, she uh, opened her closet. She had a huge closet. The closet was half as big as the room. And in the closet were a whole bunch of boxes, all the same size, dimensions. And they were laid out in rows. And each one had a tag taped to it. And each tag had a different name. Bob, Frank, Joe. Marvin, whatever. And how many were there? There were more than 12, 15, probably at least 15, 18 possibly. And each one had varying levels of stuff in it, clothing and jewelry and whatever, girl stuff. And each one was a represented a guy who was sending her money and stuff because she's so downtrodden and she would show a picture of a room you know not the closet but she'd show a picture of a room and it was a shit room it was a horrible horrible you know probably probably 1500 baht a month you know no air con just a fan and a mattress on the floor it was a horrible room she looked like she was really 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 fucking poor anyway she had to remember who had sent her what. So that when they came to town for a week, they wanted to fuck her for a week, she would pull out Frank's box. And that's all she would wear for that week. Oh, God, baby, thank you so much for buying me these things. It's the nicest thing I ever have. I don't have anything else. Oh, I'm so poor. I'm so terrible. I did, my life is just so bad. I think I want to die. And Frank would go buy her some more shit, you know. Some of the boxes were pretty much full. Some of them didn't have that much in them, but uh, I don't know how much money she was getting from each one. It, it would vary greatly because it just depends on whatever they're willing or, or able to send. Could be a thousand baht a month. It could be. 20, 30, 40,000 bottom a ticket, whatever, you know. Rich guys are just as stupid as poor guys. And they think that sending the money is going to keep them faithful. And every single one of these guys thought she was just waiting for them, you know. 
and I, I saw that stuff. I don't think I commented on it at all. I just I just like kind of got sick in my stomach and then we went out. Uh, she told me what it was for. I'm like, see, I'm so clever. You know, I work so smart. Just like the Chinese. God, it's hot. Jeez. Okay, so hopefully this... If, if I if I remember any more stories about Lucy, I'm going to try hard not to tell them. <laughs> uh, oh, I, uh, I'll tell you one more thing. Um, she was friends with one of my girlfriends. And Thai girl, all Southeast Asian girls, they love to have their girlfriends come and stay the night at their place, which is really your place. Because it's nicer. It's got aircon. It's got a big TV. And, and, you know, you, usually you let them eat whatever the hell they want to eat. And so they, they love to entertain their friends. Okay. So my girlfriend would have Lucy come over to our condo, my condo, and spend the night. And they'd roll around and fill the <laughs> fill a bed full of uh, potato chip crumbs and shit like that, and cookies and spill the spill the soda, you know, whatever the fuck, whatever the fuck they do. I don't know. It's like having five raccoons in your goddamn home. It is. It, it's kind of fun, you know. It's girls' night out. Uh, anyway. So Lucy would always complain. They, Thai girls and most a lot of Southeast Asian girls, as soon as they get in the house, in the room, their thing is to take the clothes off. That's what they do because it's hot. It's what they've been doing their whole lives. And even if it's not hot, even if you get air conditioning, they take their clothes off because it's just a habit by now. You know, after 20, 30 years, it's a habit. They can't stop it. So they take their clothes off. They're in panties and, and bras. All the time. Just all the time. And it's like, well, okay, whatever. You know, you get used to that. And so anyway, Lucy would always complain that I wouldn't look at her when she was mostly naked, running back and forth to the bathroom or get snacks or whatever the fuck, you know. And she would always ask my girlfriend, why he not look at me? Why he have a problem? Why he not look at me? And my girlfriend just saw it as a sign that I was loyal, which is what it was. I'm not going to look at other girls. If I got one girl, I'm not going to look at another one. I don't care if she's naked in my fucking room. I'm not going to fucking look. I'm not going to. It's not my place. And anyway, that always bugged the living Jesus out of Lucy. So I, I hope you're, I hope you're, I hope I'm helping you develop a little bit of an overall view, overview of uh, Southeast Asian girls. I'm trying really hard. Um, I don't know the psychology behind everything they do. I can just tell you the stories. And maybe you know the psychology. Maybe you're a psychologist, psychiatrist. Maybe you're saying, yeah, that's a sign of, yep. Oh, yeah, I've seen that before. The clinical name for this is, you know, like that. Maybe you can do that, and that's fine. I would love to. I would love to go back to Thailand with a good psychologist, and we would have such fun with those girls. We would have such fun. <laughs> oh, Jesus, we would have fun. Oh my God! Think of all the games you could play. I'm not oriented that way. It would take a little bit of a perverse psychologist, you know. But what the fuck? They exist. 
if you're a psychologist and, uh, you know, you want me to go in your purse and you like having fun and you want me to go hang around Thailand with you for a while and, and you promise me we'll have more fun than a barrel of monkeys, get a hold of me, you know, we'll, we'll do it, we'll go. And we'll do our very best to film it. <laughs> Jesus God. Uh, you can't YouTube any of that shit because YouTube won't allow anything that's real. Um, put it on my server, I guess. Anyway, okay. So we, we, we covered Lucy, I think, more than we ever needed to. What are we doing for time? Where are we at? Yeah, okay, we got a little time. I'm still kind of sick, so I'm keeping these. I'm going to keep these a lot shorter. Uh, in fact, really, really short. Um, let's see. Let's see. Somebody wants to know, does, does Lao hate Americans? Yeah. I ran into a lot of anti-American sentiment in Lao. I was there quite a while. I covered a lot of it on Motorbike Central Lao. And I've been in Wien Chen a few times and around. Uh, spent a long time over in the Mekong and points east. Uh, Vietnam has a stronger anti-American sentiment. I didn't tell them I was American. I said I was Canadian. Um, they probably won't kill you, but you're going to be a target to some degree. They're, at the very, very least, they're going to let you know they think you're scum. The thing I saw in Laos was more people, more Laotians, report that their ancestor or the grandmother or some goddamn thing got raped, brutally raped by American soldiers than there ever were American soldiers in Laos. It's a thing. It's a, it's a, it's a trend. It's a club they want to be part of. Yeah, my grandmother got raped by 111 American soldiers. Oh, it was horrible. Are you American? No, 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 no. No, I hate those fuckers. I'm Canadian. We hate them. We all, oh, fuck, Canada hates them. Yeah, fuck them, fuck them, fuck them, fuck them. Canada wants to nuke them, you know. If we, if we ever get the chance, we're going to fucking nuke them for you, you know. Okay. Um, I ran into that a lot. A lot. The older generation, the people who really did suffer under Vietnam, um, have a reason to hate Americans. The offspring of them only learned it. They didn't experience it, they just learned it. So they're just parroting what their fathers or grandfathers tell them. Uh, that'll get bred out of them eventually, but it's going to take another two, three, four generations. It's going to—it's very, 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 very slow to go, especially when you got places like Laos. That how many how many unexploded mines do they do they still have? God, I can't remember. I think it's in the millions that we just planted. I uh, left. No locations on them. No nothing. No way to trace them. Whole teams work, you know, 15, 20 hours a day trying to defuse them. Sometimes they get blown up. But that will go on for 
countless decades, unless they come up with some automated way to do it from the air, you know, send a signal down, it triggers them, something like that. That's about the only way. It'll ever get done on any kind of wholesale basis. And so there's kids everywhere. I, I, I saw more in Laos than any other place. One-legged, one-armed kids. Landmine, landmine, landmine. Everywhere. I don't know what area of Laos they planted the most of them in. I'm aware of them in central, central and eastern Laos. Um, I have found U.S. Army jeeps in the middle of nowhere, just overgrown by jungles. I found tanks out there, overgrown. They're around. They're not hard to find. Uh, I suppose if you had, you know, something like an ultralight aircraft and an aerial magnetometer or something like that, you could probably fly low over a lot of those areas and, and just kabing, kabing, kabing. You'd, you'd find this old uh, ordinance down there and, and vehicles and stuff like that. Um, I guess since we're on the subject of Lao, I'll tell a Lao story. And then that's got to be the last one because I'm fading faster. Uh, I was motorbiking around Lao. I, oh, Jesus Christ. I had been living in, in Pakse and I wanted to go see the country and I rented a motor, motorbike. It's really hard to take him across the board. So I rented one there. And there it was fucking steaming fucking shit. Every light. So that's taillight, turn signals, aft, turn signals, forward, and headlight. Every light was hanging by its wires. It had all been broken off at the mounts. You know, it, 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 it had been down more times than a Bangkok whore. You know, it, it weren't no virgin bike. Uh, I taped up the headlight enough so it kind of sort of pointed ahead of me and kind of sort of the same with the taillight. That was it. Oh, it's a fucking, fucking piece of shit. Anyway, I rode that thing all over the place. Um, And for a while, I had a guide, Laotian guide. And we went up this dirt road. We're trying to take a shortcut between two highways. We went up this dirt road. I don't know how far we went. We, we went like 15 miles, probably, up this rutted piece of shit road. And the, and the highway we're supposed to hit never came and never came and never came. And it was clear we made a wrong turn somewhere. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, goddamn Christ, you know, can we even find our way back to the highway we were on before? You know, that's kind of fucked up. And we came across a structure. It was a one, two, three. No, it was a two-sided structure, kind of a house shed thing. Um, and it had inside, there was a sofa and a whole shitload of, uh, like, big, heavy sacks of uh, coffee beans. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. We figured out later that they, they had a little coffee plantation there. I don't know how many acres they had, but they they harvested the beans. 
and uh, they roasted them by hand over a charcoal pit. That took days. It took fucking days. They showed me how they did it. I got pictures. I had lots of pictures of them. Um, and then they sacked them up and waited for somebody to come buy them. And that was pretty much their income. They also had a store, a general goods store, that consisted of an old, like an Ikea bookshelf in the middle of the, uh, like the living area. That was the store. It had like uh, probably five, five, six shelves on it. Uh, God, it was so sad. Um, you could have bought everything in that store off of that bookshelf for 20 bucks, probably. But it's all stuff they had scrounged up uh, and were probably stuff they didn't want to eat themselves and s or couldn't afford to eat themselves, and so they were trying to sell it. Um, that was it. There was a family of uh, about f three... Three boys and and the adults, five. Um, and we started asking directions, and they and they were some of the most hospitable people on earth. Uh, they took me out and showed me the plantation, and I, you know, after half an acre, you're like, okay, yeah, it's a coffee plantation, yeah, thank you, thank you. But no, I had to see every row. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it took hours to. Rows and rows and rows and rows of coffee beans. Okay, um, I get it. You know, I get it. <laughs> Lots of coffee. And finally, they said, try one. And they were, there were these green buds, you know, hanging on the, these bushes. They weren't all that tall. And they said, and they said, that's a coffee bean. You know, I can just eat that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can eat, you can eat. And uh, so I did. I thought, this is going to be bad. But, you know, when in Rome, you you eat sticky worms, you know, like <laughs> you just do it. You eat the bugs, you eat the snakes, you eat whatever the fuck. It's being offered to me and they were proud of it and fucking eat it, eat it, asshole. <laughs> you know, that's, and so I did, I, I ate that one. And it was kind of crunchy and kind of nice. And after a minute, it was good. Well, it was a nice, crispy, refreshing kind of a goddamn snack. Holy shit. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Can I eat another? Oh, sure. You eat all you want. All you want. It's okay. So I ate another and, you know, then another and I couldn't stop. We were so good. And, and I figured, oh, I, you know, it's not, it's, they're probably not ripe or they're not, uh, they're not roasted, you know, so they, they don't really have caffeine in them or something. I didn't really think about it. You know, how many coffee beans does it take to make a cup of coffee? You know, a few thousand or something? I don't know. Probably really a lot, you know. I didn't think about it. I just kept eating them. And all in all, I probably ate 40. Yeah, I'm thinking 40. Probably every time I tell the story, it varies by a few, but I'm thinking 40. That's what I remember today. <laughs> I think 40. Uh, I, I mentioned it in other tapes, you know, so go back and see if I'm off. Anyway, and then we went back and they wanted to make coffee for us. You know? So they did. And it was, oh, 
It was the best coffee I ever had in my life. It was a... Holy Jesus. Best coffee I ever had in my life. Oh, and they made some kind of bone soup stuff that was just scrumptious. And so we're sitting there um, with our backs to the dirt road because their, their little eating area goes right out to the dirt road. You know, they get like one car every three days, something like that. It wasn't a problem. And I was trying to convince them that, uh, hey, you know, we should make a deal. I'll buy a bunch of this coffee. I'll ship it to the U.S. I'll have my friends, you know, package it and sell it on eBay. You'll make a lot of money. I'll make some money. But you can probably get, I, I can't remember what they told me, the 100 pound, what was it, 100 pound? No, it was a 50, fuck, what was it? I can't remember. The, the sacks were bigger than a cement sack for sure. I can't remember what the weight was. They're really big and bulky and, and they looked really heavy. I picked up one end, it was pretty heavy. Uh, and they told me what they would sell each each sack for and it was pennies. It was like two bucks or something. Something like that. It was insane. It's insane. And I don't really know, you know, the current prices of coffee, but I know it's more than that. And this is really, 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 really good coffee. And I thought, well, we can hype this up. We'll take a bunch of pictures of where who's grown it and where they're growing it and how they're roasting it in these big pits out behind the, the house, you know? Because uh, they got to lay out there. They got to sleep with these fires and, and keep them at a certain temperature for, I can't remember. They, I think they stay out there for like a week, five days or something these fires roasting these beans it's medieval shit that's how they do it i don't know maybe that's what it takes to make really really truly great coffee i don't know but anyway i thought we'll we'll hype this up you know advertising and and we'll, we'll sell it for all the more you know and i was kind of half excited about it and they just didn't want any part of it they they just didn't want to talk about it. They just like, no, we no, we're okay. We make enough money. We're okay. We don't want to be involved in anything like that. It's too much trouble. You know. Okay, so I God, I worked on it for a long time, maybe an hour, and they just weren't going for it. They were almost getting annoyed by it, and I I let it go. Right about that time, uh, I noticed that everybody was looking behind me, because all everybody else was seated across from me, looking at me. And my back was to the road, if you call it a road. Uh, and I kept noticing they were, they were looking past me and looking out there. And finally I turned and, God, there's like 40 goddamn people standing behind me, like like eight feet away. They're just standing there. The, it turned out the whole village, the entire village. Well, it wasn't really a village. It was just this farming area. Everybody within miles had heard that there was a falang. There was a white man eating it so-and-so's house oh my god can you believe this what the hell is going on so the entire area they just hoofed it there they hoofed it they all walked and they got there and they didn't want to disturb my eating so they just stood there and watched me eat for i don't know how long i don't know how long they were there maybe a really long time i don't know oddest thing and I turned around and said hello yeah, Sausty Cub and Thai they don't really get Thai at all 
nothing translates really hardly at all. Uh, they thought that was cute, you know, and then, so my translator started translating for me and they, they wanted to know who I was and, uh, you know, stuff like that, normal questions and why am I here and am I American? No, 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 fucking no, no, I'm, I'm Canadian. No, no. Fuck those Americans, those cocksuckers. Jesus Christ. Do you know any of them? I'll kill them for you, you know. And they thought that was a good idea, you know. And uh, finally, as I'm talking to these people, look at them, I, I notice that there's one girl, and she looked to be about 14. And she's real thin, and I mean Ethiopian thin. And she's holding a baby. And I don't know how she found the strength to carry to hold up that baby standing there. Uh, I remember olive oil, the old uh, Popeye cartoon. She was olive oil. Uh, certainly she was stronger than she looked. And I asked, okay, what's, what's, what's with her? What's her problem? Well, she don't have food. Why? Why does she not have food? Because the boyfriend made her pregnant. He ran away. Well, all these other people, they can help her have food, right? Because there's 40 of them, there's one of her, and if everybody gives the teen a little bit, well, they do. They, they, they give her everything they can spare. But look at all of them. I looked at them. They're all real thin also. Real thin. Not as thin as her. But they're pretty damn thin. There wasn't a fat person in that bunch. And I thought, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. She was starving to death. She was starving to death. She was, she, she, if she fleshed out, you know, she'd be a really pretty girl. The baby was real thin, ribs showing. And she locked eyes with me. And uh, my guide said, can you give her a little money? And I said, yeah, how much? And she said, well, you can give what you want. And I said, okay, I want to give her $100. Would that be enough? And she said, oh, that's crazy. That you can't give that. You can't give $100. No, 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 no. They, they never see money like that. You give her $20. And I said, well, how long is that going to last her? What, a week? You know, back in the same damn predicament. And she said, no, that'll last her many months. And I tried to give more. And they wouldn't let me. So we gave her the 20. And then uh, all the people bowed and shuffled away. So that's what it's like in the outback of Laos. Everywhere you go, you're going to have a story like that. How much time we got? No, I don't have time for this next one. I, I, I got another Lao story that I'll, I'll hit in the next one. I'll make a note here. Uh, Lao.
Okay. Uh, Lao is a, is a very, very, very poor, very backward place. It's a very basic, basic place. Some people like it because that's what they want. And that holds some attraction for me, too. I could go, the, the crime in Laos is not as bad as in Cambodia. The people don't seem to be as mean-spirited. Spirit, the, the English in Laos is, well, there isn't any. There just isn't any. Just virtually none. Uh, Laos was, at that time had pretty easy uh, permanent visa regulations in comparison to some other places. Um, so we'll talk, we'll talk quite a bit more about Lao in the next one. This one's 18, so that'll be number 19. Uh, geez, and we're not even, we're not even, we're barely 10% through this list that I had planned to cover. I had planned to do all of these questions for just in this episode, but we're not even, you know, 10% through them. Jeez. Mm. Okay, well, this is going to be a pretty fleshed out picture of Southeast Asia for you. Uh, you know, wait until it's all done before you decide where you want to go or if you want to go. Because there's, there's twists and turns and surprises coming up. Be really, really careful about your choices here. If you're going for a vacation, well, you don't have to be careful. Just go. Just go. Get off the plane. Drop your money into a receptacle. Get back in the plane. <laughs> you know, that's what they want you to do. Uh, but if you're thinking about a place you might want to live, and you're going to ship a bunch of shit down there, you know, you got to be careful. More careful than you think. And you got to know what places to just avoid. Don't even think about them. Don't even consider them. Okay, so... Yeah, this one's shorter. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you very much. And good evening. Good night.